This is Five on Three. Center ice for all things Islanders, Rangers, and all news across the NHL on WFUV Sports. Welcome back, everybody, to this week's edition of Five on Three, WFUV's podcast for all things NHL and hockey in general, as we will be expanding outside of the world of the NHL once more. I am Samantha Borer here with Nick Palmer and James Burley, which is always so fun. Nick was producing for us last week. James was on the show with Lou, but now we have all three of us on the air today, which is so exciting. It is January 4th, 2023. It is officially a new year. Same season of hockey, but new year for us all. First of all, fellas, how was your new year? James, what were you up to? How are you doing in this 2023? It still feels weird to say 2023, but uh, yeah, New Year's was fun. Got to see some high school friends, hung out at some friends' houses, been relaxing. You know, it's been good to be not doing classes all the time. I'm sure you guys can agree. Nick, how was your New Year's, man? I agree. Uh if, if if you're not going to class, you're watching hockey. So, you know, I'm I'm very, very happy. Uh, yeah, I spent my New Year's with high school friends, uh, watched some Borat because, of course, classic movie. And uh, I watched the Winter Classic, which we will get to. Um, but I thought that it actually uh, exceeded expectations. And we'll get into that, obviously. But, uh, yeah, I'm ready to talk some hockey. Let's do it. Very exciting. Well, as you said, let us talk some hockey. Let's start with a team we don't normally start with. Let's start with the New Jersey Devils, because why not? I know they are playing right now, if I'm not mistaken. Aren't they playing currently? Yes. And that was happening in last week's episode, too, as they were playing as we were recording, which is always lots of fun when that happens, because then we get James Burley's live reactions um, as the pod goes on, which I love. Their last game was a four to five loss versus the ever, ever dominant Carolina Hurricanes. And they are playing Detroit tonight. Is there is there a score so far? I haven't I haven't no checked. Score. No score. No score so far. But they are at are they at the Prudential Center? I should know this. I really should, but I do not. They're, they are at the famous Little Caesars Arena in Detroit. Wow. One of my favorite names of an arena generally, if I if I dare say so myself. The Little Caesars Arena is actually one of my favorite ones. It's but Devils doing a little bit better recently, showing at least a little bit more promise, but still not necessarily being the team we want them to be, expected them to be, or the team that they were. They won versus the Penguins. Um the other day, which was very exciting. They got a uh, 4-2 win over the Penguins, which I don't know if I expected that to happen per se. That was, I believe, the day we recorded last time. That is what happened. Yes, that was the day that happened last time because it was a New Year's Eve Eve is they ended up beating the Penguins that day. However, as I said, they then turned that right around with a 5-4 loss in a shootout, though, to the Carolina Hurricanes. And I mean, holding your own against a team that is one of the top in your conference right now, one of the top in the league right now, I think all the way to a shootout, especially when you have been on such a an abysmal losing slide recently, I think is plenty of cause for celebration, in my opinion. And if nothing else, bodes well. And I mean, James, I'll go to you first as our as our resident Devils beat reporter. What are you what are you seeing right now? And I mean, were you happy with the shootout? Obviously, you would have preferred to win, but a point is better than no points. Yeah, I, I think first and foremost, it, it was definitely a valuable point in that one. I mean, being there, it was it was Carolina's game to win. They had 47 shots to New Jersey's 28 or so, and the, the Devils were chasing the game for a lot of it. The first period was was pretty 
pretty boring on no end. No team really put their stamp on the game. And the game blew up in the second period when Mackenzie Blackwood made that error. I'm sure you guys have seen it by now. Came out to play the puck. Sebastian Ajo had a open net when he fanned on it. And those kind of goals are demoralizing, especially for we all know what Mackenzie Blackwood's had to go through the past two seasons with injuries and now with inconsistent play, the fans starting to turn on him. They no longer think he's their franchise goaltender. So to have given up a goal like that when he's facing so many shots against one of the strongest teams in the National Hockey League, you'd think that it would be a bad sign for the Devils going into the third period. But the third period was a really was a really good uh, effort from the Devils. I still don't think they were the better team, even though they won that third period three to two uh, on paper. Uh, they got a couple of timely goals from from Brat and Heeshear, but it was still it was still the Hurricanes game to win. And Mackenzie Blackwood is the reason why they kept themselves in it. So you have to give a lot of credit to the goaltending situation in New Jersey because you think about last year seven goaltenders and not a single one looked like they could have been a starter. Now you've got Vanacek starting in the pipes tonight in Detroit, as I think the first period just ended. So moving forward, it's been better in January and perhaps it'll continue to be better, but they still have a tough schedule in front of them. They, that November schedule was terrible tonight. They play Detroit tomorrow. They go home and play St. Louis. And then they got the Rangers after that. So the devils continue have are trending back in the right direction, but they, they really need to keep getting better and improving with that because um, it's not going to get any easier. And that those footsteps that they hear behind them in the metropolitan division are getting louder and louder and louder and louder uh, until all five of those teams between, or sorry, all four of those teams between third and sixth are just one point within each other, which is could happen any minute now. So it's, it's such a crazy storyline this early in the season, even though it's, it's still hard to say that it's early because we're almost at the midway point. So uh, a lot, a lot can change, but things are getting better in the right direction. I would say for New Jersey right now. Yeah, I uh, I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. I think it's something crazy like uh, three teams in the Eastern Conference who are not in the playoffs would be in the playoffs if they were in the Western. Um, but yeah, so, you know, it's getting really tight for the devils, but the complete collapse of the New Jersey devils, which is something I was waiting for and counting on has not come to pass. Uh, I I'm getting the feeling like the goaltending, as you said, but also Jesper Bratt and Dougie Hamilton are sort of helping this team tread water while they search for answers to restart their offense. So honestly, I'll, I'll keep this short. I think the game against the wings going on as we speak will give us a good gauge as to where they are. Cause you know, the red wings, they're not a bad team. They're not a, really a playoff team either, but um, they can at least make them fight and we can sort of gauge the devils not playing against Carolina or Boston or a team that's certainly better than they are. I agree. And I mean, when you look at their their advanced statistics, obviously they're going through a bit of a tough time recently, but still you have to acknowledge that this team is not bad. I mean, like you like you just said, if there were teams that were playing in the West instead of in the East, you know, they'd be guaranteed a playoff spot almost, it seems, which is funny because I feel for a lot of like my childhood, it was always like, oh, the Central Conference and Western Conference as a whole were were just really, really tough. And that was considered like the toughest division was always the Central Conference when I was growing up. And now that is, in fact, absolutely not true. And it's 100% the East and it's looking like the Metro. But when you look at, I mean, their goals for and goals against, they have an average uh, or they have uh, 
Oh yeah, that is what it is. They have um an average of what does it say? Actual goals for why? Why is that different? Oh, expected goals for. Oops, that's what it was. I was like, why is that different? Their actual goals for is eighty seven, and their actual goals against is sixty one, and the league average for those um comparable stats is seventy five for both. So I mean. They are way above and then way below where you would where the league averages showing they are still an elite squad of skaters. There are still an elite team. I think they're just going through a real tough time. But that's why having that 13 game win streak, as we've been saying for so long, did so much for them because it shielded them now where they are is they're not necessarily it's not a good thing, obviously, that they're on this slide that they've been on. However, they have padding that they have because it's still possible for them to be in the playoffs at this point. So very possible. Whereas if they had not had that 13 game win streak at the beginning of this season, like they did, I think we'd be, we'd be calling it now. And you know what? I think Lindy Ruff would be gone, which I made that prediction. The, the first day of five on three with Tyler Mooney and Lou Orlando, I said, Lindy Ruff is going to be the first coach gone. And I was wrong, obviously. And I will, I will admit that I was wrong. I'll be the first to admit it, but I think that that streak is why he hasn't lost his job, to be honest, and why at this point fans aren't totally turning on the team. Because, I mean, James, you know as well as anyone, at this point last year, people were down and out, and that arena was empty. I mean, you you said it best. I mean, this arena has been empty since 2018, and, and even then that was a year where they barely scraped their way into the playoffs and limped out in the first round pretty easily. So. This is it's a new age and everyone's acknowledged that to this point that the Devils, even if they're not, you know, the 13 win streak wagon team that they were in November for the rest of the season, everyone's kind of acknowledged that this is a legit team that probably belongs in the playoffs to this point and perhaps is even worthy of being above a wild card. There's no guarantee to that, of course. But I mean, Nick, you mentioned they have their top guys look like top guys now. It's like Jesper Bratt. Jack Hughes and Nico Heeshear have all 1000% come into their own and are guys that you can build a team around. You know, there were doubts about that. Uh, people did call Jack Hughes a bust. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. And his last number 86 has played 86 games since the start of 2021 22. He's had 98 points in those games. This guy's ridiculous. All right. Like the Devils are for real. It's been a bad December, a December to forget. They had three wins in that month. Really terrible. They're going to do a lot better in January. Um, It's not going to be the same as November because that was never going to be sustainable. But you look at the metrics, they're still a team that outplays their opponents for the most part. Maybe they can't hang with the likes of the Bruins and the Hurricanes, but it shouldn't be about that yet, you know? So a lot of time for this team still to grow. And I think we're going to see some more growth uh, through the rest of the spring and, or sorry, through the rest of the winter and into the spring. And yeah, I just wanted to, to add Jack Hughes and Nico Hishio to that list of players who, even when the team's not on, like these guys, they didn't play great against Carolina. They were, they were okay at best. Blackwood uh, stood on his head at times. He made three saves on breakaways in overtime. And then you got contributions from Jesper Bratt, Jack Hughes, who scored a ridiculous goal and Nico Hishio who scored on a wraparound. It just took those guys to step up. This team has leaders now, and this team did not have real leaders for a while. Absolutely true. I mean, I'm a big of a of a Jack Hughes fan as any. He leads the team, obviously, in points right now. He's got 21 goals and 21 assists on the season for 42 points. Behind him are the two other two you just mentioned, Jesper Bratt with 37 points and Nico Heesher, the captain, with 
34 points. So not a bad showing, obviously, from this top group of skaters. Let us move now. Obviously, we'll have to stay. We'll have to see how this game turns out. And I'm I'm intrigued. I think it will be a good litmus test for this squad to see how this game turns out tonight against the Red Wings. Let us move to Nick's favorite team now. Let us move to the New York Islanders. I know we're doing a different order today. I thought it'd be fun and funky to switch it up. Moving to the Islanders today, they currently have 46 points. They are fifth in the Metropolitan Division. Their last game was a win, 6-2 to two versus the Vancouver Canucks. And they next play tomorrow versus Edmonton. And I think that will be a very very fun game to watch. Always fun watching Mc, McJesus, Connor McDavid, and Leon Dreisaitl on the ice together. Two of the most elite skaters in hockey right now. I saw some insane Connor McDavid stat the other day about his um, like estimated goals or points for the season, like his uh, projected points for the season, and it was like ridiculous. I don't remember what it was, but I was like, all right, well, he's still you know maybe the best best skater alive. Um, but as I said, they last won the game six to two versus the Vancouver Canucks. Nick, I mean, what are your immediate thoughts, I guess, on that win on this team, on what you've been seeing and how they've been doing well recently? I mean, I'm sure you're happy with that one. At least a win's a win's a win, as we say. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I had a bit of back and forth with our friend, our collective friend, Lou Orlando, uh, on Twitter. I, I, I replied to one of his tweets as he was covering the Rangers and Carolina Hurricanes game that it was just a bunch of teams throwing the puck five hole and it's finding the back of the net. I It was a joke, but Lou Orlando responded by saying, my brother in Christ, you beat the Canucks. We are not the same. And I would argue that we are very much the same. You, the New York Islanders and the New York Rangers are both in the Metropolitan Division, two points apart, okay, two points apart. And they're competing for a wild card spot in all likelihood. And get this, the Islanders and Rangers are respectively ranked number two and number three in terms of difficulty of their upcoming schedules. Which means these two teams are both going to be playing a lot of the same teams. And so it will come down to who's going to step up against the better teams. And I think it's going to be a close one because... I'm not going to make any more comparisons to the Rangers, but I actually like how this Islanders team is playing. They're on a long trip through the Pacific Northwest. The Kraken are a very capable team where I thought their special teams and Martin Jones actually played very well. Uh, but the Islanders completely outclassed Vancouver, and now they're going to head into Alberta, hopefully pick up some points against Mick Jesus, as you said, Sam, and uh, the Calgary Flames. Um, so, you know... What's the most important thing here? And that's the question you got to ask yourself. And it's that Matt Barzell is an absolute stud who is now shooting the puck. Okay. And look, apparently Matt Barzell has been Lou and Sam's boy for an unspecified and okay. frankly, a, and a suspicious amount of time. And, but he's shooting the puck. He's scoring goals. He looks confident while he's doing it. And this team is determined and close. They go looking for goals, which is something you didn't really see under Barry Trotz all the time. And they are just exciting to watch as an offensive team once again. Go ahead, Sam. I just, I don't get the hate. 
you you were mad that Lou and I were hating on Matt Barzell, and now you're mad that we refer to him as our boy fondly. Mere not because we're we're the largest fans of him per se, but merely because we feel as if we are invested in his career and in his season because it has been such a hot topic on the pod. You are being so sassy when I feel like you should be happy that frankly Lou and I have acknowledged that Matt Barzell is doing way better than either of us thought he did, and I was going to bring that up. And now I don't even. He's faster than Connor McDavid. I don't even want to say anything good now. I don't even want to acknowledge what you've just said. I don't even want to say anything good now. Beat him in the skills competition. Because I'm annoyed. I well, that's so crazy how you keep talking and I'm not going to (laughs) listen. I'm so I'm kidding. I'm kidding for all of our for all of our friends at home. Everyone is giggling. This is all fun and games on five on three. No actual bullying is occurring, but. Like you said, huge, huge point of interest here slash a huge thing for the Islanders is that Matt Barzell is shooting the puck and is scoring and is being the skater, the scorer, the points getter that we all have known him and loved him to be for the last many years. I mean, it is very undeniable how good of a player he is, no matter who you root for. And I mean, last, I think the first time we brought him up this season, he was at like three goals and like 20 something assists. And now he's at 10 goals and 30 assists. So Homeboy has been just doing numbers recently. James, your thoughts on the Islanders, Matt Barzell, whether Nick and I are ever going to patch up our friendship? Well, I I can't say that I I, I was on the Matt Barzell is my boy hype train team before they were because you know that's just that's not not because I not because I have any anything against him, but because we did we just didn't connect over that. You know what I mean? So that that's just what happened. What what I what I've would like to point out about the Islanders is that they've been we talked about their inconsistency last last week well we're talking about a lot of the same things this week so perhaps they've been consistent Matt Barzell continuing to score is a plus and if that continues to happen this team is probably not I would say Nick probably can get out of the wild card conversation and move themselves into the top three in the metro conversation I mean we were saying last week that this this team like there's so much turnover that could happen within this division that one bounce the right way for one team and a goaltender as good as Sorokin could help you reach the top of one of the toughest divisions in hockey but with that said I'm interested to see how the rest of this road trip goes because the Islanders have been pretty good on the road I know they they came into New Jersey dominated uh took Boston all the way to 4-3 they just now open up the road trip with a big win over albeit a vulnerable Canucks team. I mean, and now it's going to go into the, obviously the harder part of this road trip in Alberta with Edmonton and Calgary. And now it's going to be really more of a test of their defense because you got 97 and, and 29 waiting for you. So th- this, these, you said the Red Wings game was a really good measuring stick for the devils because they no longer had to play up to their opponents in, in a similar way. This is going to be, or sorry, in the opposite way, this is going to be a measuring stick for the Islanders because you know, the Oilers on the road is is a really, really tough game, not just because they have those guys, but because of where you are geographically and because how far away you are from home. The, there's a reason why these road trips, both in eastern and western Canada, have, you know, ruined some seasons at crucial moments for a lot of teams. If you think back, like, wow, if we just got that point in overtime against Vancouver, maybe we would have uh, had a better push for the playoffs. There have been those conversations before. And currently the Islanders are playing their way out of those conversations, but the hardest part is yet to come. I think you said it well. The hardest part is absolutely yet to come. They continue their road trip and continue their 
Canadian trip as they next hit, like I said, the Oilers tomorrow. And then the day after that, they hit the Flames. So no breaks, no nothing. At least they get a day of rest between yesterday's game against the Canucks and tomorrow versus the Oilers. But they're doing Oilers Flames back to back which I think is going to prove to be, I mean, back-to-back games are always a bit interesting to watch that team um, that has doing the back-to-back because, you know, you're exhausted. It's 60 minutes of hockey, two nights in a row. Plus if there's a morning skate and all of that, and you're traveling, you're not at home, you're not in your own bed. We'll see. All of those can absolutely be factors. And yeah, like you said, Alberta's low-key big too. Alberta, Canada, huge. So (laughs) I think it'll be really interesting to see how the rest of this road trip plays out for them. After that, they come home to play the Stars, the Wild, the Canadians, Capitals, Bruins. That is their next little homestand we've got. So I don't know, some very formidable opponents in there. I'm very intrigued to see how this will go. But Islanders have been playing well. I mean, they've won four of their last five games. So absolutely not a bad record going on for the Islanders right now. Better than what we were just mentioning for the New Jersey Devils. And not too far off, though still better than their neighbors across westward. Gosh, is Man- Manhattan's west of Long Island? Yeah, Manhattan's west of Long Island. For those of you at home, I never took geography. So there we go. <laughs> but let us move now to the New York Rangers. They won their last two games. Nick Palmer says you live in New York. Yes, I know I live in New York, but I'm not from New York. So I've also been to Long Island like one time. No. I've been there a couple times, but it's either to UBS Arena or to Green Lawn. So my knowledge is minimal. Um, anyways, the Rangers have won their last two games, which was more than we can say since December 18th. They have won their last two games. They've been doing well, restoring some faith to the Broadway Blue Shirt fandom. They most recently won yesterday against the Carolina Hurricanes 5-3, to three, a huge win in regulation for them. And then they also won on New Year's Day in Florida against the Panthers, also 5-3. to three. That's a fun little stat. Two 5-3 to three wins in a row. And tomorrow, they play the Montreal Canadiens up in Canada. So they are also hitting the Canadian trip right now. I mean... Big trip for these guys, huge win, or not big trip, but rather big win for these guys, Um, 5-3 against the Hurricanes, who have been just so absolutely dominant this year. Like we said before, this Metropolitan Conference is so close, and the Carolina Hurricanes have just been bananas recently. I mean, Lou Orlando was at the game, and he was just like the Hurricane. He was texting me, and he was like, watching this team is ridiculous, because they are one of the fastest and most aggressive teams In the NHL, as far as I would say for my money, but Rangers looking good in terms of their stats. They are 11th in the league for goals for with 127, but they're also 11th for goals against with with, uh, 108. So, I mean, kind of in the middle there for both of them, but not too bad of a run for this team recently. And I'm happy with it, considering their last two before that were a loss. And then they only had one win, which was versus the Islanders. But uh, after their um, loss versus the Penguins. So a little bit more consistent now, I think, than they have been this season. But I mean, Nick, I know you're not I know you're not a Rangers fan by any means. But but how are you how are you feeling about this? And I mean, you have to acknowledge that that win over the Hurricanes was just very special to them right now. I, I think it absolutely was. I'm you're about to hear something pretty rare. I'm about to compliment the Rangers. All right. So 
they have played a great string of hockey recently. You know, you, you put up that goose egg against the Capitals and then you're like, oh, God, where's this team going? But then, you know, you go to Florida. You, I mean, uh, yeah, you go to Florida, you take care of business, you win five to three. And then they played a gritty 60 minutes of hockey with Carolina, which is something that we talked about. You say, oh, the Rangers aren't playing 60 minutes with all of those goals in the third period. And you break Carolina's 11 game win streak. Are you kidding me? Like. And and frankly, anytime you go into a shootout against uh, Vasilevsky, like you're probably going to lose. So I don't even fault them for losing that shootout. But, I mean, I think I saw a stat that said Vasi is sixth in all time shootout save percentage, like all time in shootouts. He's sixth. So that's pretty good. Um, but I, I'd also like to congratulate uh, the New York Rangers on uh, flushing one point six million dollars down the drain. Uh, by continuing the miserable career of Jimmy VC. No, you know what? You know what? I'm being unfair to him. Instead, I would like to congratulate Jimmy VC on successfully scamming the Rangers out of $1.6 million. Well done, Jimmy VC. I know you're listening, but I got to tell you, Jimmy VC, you trash. Your game is vanilla. And Rangers fans are all of a sudden loving him when they were trashing on this dude for three straight years because he wasn't producing. And just because he started playing well recently doesn't mean that he's going to do that for the rest of the season. This dude, in his last seven games, is minus four with zero points. And I encourage you to go to the stat sheets, and you will find long stretches of zero points. The dude is not consistent, but congrats, Jimmy, on your paycheck. You earned it. Sammy, you want me to take that? Yeah, go ahead, James. I'll 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 hop in after you. I'll let you take that one. I I I really don't like um with the exception of Scott Gomez in terms of like Devils history, I've never been a big fan of players playing for both the Devils and the Rangers. Even though there have been a lot of a lot of big names who have done it. You know, you got Brendan Shanahan, yeah, Mike Rupp who scored the winner in 03 for the Devils to win the Stanley Cup, but then punched Brodeur in the 2012 playoffs. Uh, Jimmy Vesey's one of those guys. His, his name may not be as big as uh, some of those others, but I really liked Jimmy Vesey when he was on the New Jersey Devils last season because he filled a void that the Devils had been missing for a while, um, probably that they'd been missing since 2018. Guys like Blake Coleman and Stefan Nason, who really stepped up on the bottom in the bottom six and were guys who... Maybe not. It, maybe Blake Coleman's not a fair comparison because Blake Coleman had a really fair share of goals by the time he really started getting going with the Devils. But Jimmy Vesey was really good on the back end defensively, ate up a lot of penalty kill minutes, and became went from like his metric stats from 2019 to 2021 are night and day in terms of defensive contribution. And that's what the Rangers brought him in to do. Anything else that they got more was was like a pleasant surprise. And the fact that he had some goals and some assists behind him, they were willing to to give him a contract long term, because as long as he keeps up the defensive stuff, which it looks like he probably will do, he's still going to be a valuable asset for them to have. So I I got to give a lot of props to, to to my Harvard man and former devil, even though I'm, I'm usually not a big fan of it. And I think it's a good contract and it's money really well spent and. Even though I've I've long, I've questioned some of the Rangers' front office moves lately, especially with Ryan Reeves going, I, I know not, not a lot of people saw that coming. 
Um, you have a you have a kid line on your team. You probably want to keep the guy to protect the kids. You know, I don't know. That's 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 why I was confused by that. Just to bring that up, because I feel like similarly, you evaluate the front office now. You have to evaluate what they did a few weeks ago. Uh, I think the Jimmy VC uh, contract is a good decision for them. I agree. And I, I know if Lou Orlando was here, he'd be saying the same thing. And he and Nick Palmer would be fighting on air um, if Lou Orlando was here. So first of all, shout out Lou Orlando for the second time this podcast, if you're listening. Second of all, Nick Palmer, you are wrong. I don't understand why you keep going. You are trash. Okay. There are so, don't, do not make that face. There are so many players in this entire league who have gone through droughts. And look, I'm the first to admit when I'm wrong. I've done it multiple times on this podcast. I will do it again in the future on this podcast. Maybe I'm wrong about this one, but we have seen so much out of VC this year and watching him in person at games, even if he's not getting his name on the stat sheet in that way, even if he's not, you know, getting those points, he has been such a huge defensive part of this team. And he's been great on the penalty kill for them. He's carved out his spot on that PK unit. And look, he's really fun to watch, first of all. But he's also very powerful when you watch him. I like how physical he is. I like how he's not afraid to get in there when he needs to. He's a great defensive player. Sure, you know, he's not getting the points that Fox is or something like that. But I don't think that's what they brought him in to do, you know. And I think that's why they've re-signed this contract with him is they weren't expecting him to, to, you know, outscore Mika or Panarin or anything like that. They were expecting him to come in, be a solid two-way player, and he's done just that. So I don't want to hear you saying he's trash. I want to hear some congratulation because you know what? If if Matt Barzell or if someone like that got a contract extension, I would be saying that's a great choice for them. So you are entitled to all of your opinions. And and I and I and I am so happy that we have different opinions on this podcast because that is what makes it so freaking fun. But I respectfully disagree with you, even though I respect you as a hockey connoisseur. I th- there was never a loss of respect in this conversation. I, I want that to be to be on the air. There, there, there was never any loss of respect between any of your five on three hosts. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll accept that argument. But when he was being drafted, that's not you know what people saw in Jimmy VC. So so no matter what you sort of like what he's become you're still not going to get the value that was supposed to come out of him. So I'm I'm viewing it as sort of a long-term lens saying, is Jimmy VC a, you know what? He's making $1.6 million. I'm not. Congratulations, Jimmy VC, on your two years with the New York Rangers. I hope you do well. See, that is what I always have to say is I'm always like, hey, I might criticize them all I want, but you know what? They are making way more money than I am right now. And some of them are our age. So that really puts things in perspective for me. <laughs> Can I, this might be a segue. I don't know if I'm jumping the gun, but you talked about age. Can I just, Connor, B- Connor Bedard was born in 2005. Awful. That is awful. That is so awful. Let that, that Let that sink in, y'all. Yeah, let us segue with that because um, Connor Bedard has been an absolute freaking rock star. There is no other word to describe the way that he has been playing at the World Juniors up in Canada. I mean, we expected him to be what he was going like that he was going to be incredible um, in this uh, in this tournament, but he has just been ridiculous uh, in all of this. And the fact that he was born in two thousand five, I was walking, talking, eating, and drinking by the time he was born and that man is going to make 
so much more money than me, um, which is great. Uh, good for him. That absolutely sucks for me. I mean, as we as we transition, I suppose, into this into this World Juniors talk, the USA and Canada are playing right now. Um, if I am, in fact, not mistaken, um, this was, I think, a very uh, anticip- highly anticipated matchup right now for uh, this this tournament because both powerhouses in the world of junior hockey and international hockey, when we started this podcast, the score was 2-1 in favor of the United States, and it is now 4-2 in favor of Canada. So hopefully the U.S. can come back. I know we have a lot of Canadian players that we do love on that team. However, as, as, a, um, as a United States of American citizen myself, I hope that I can't say American because Canada is part of North America. So I had to distinguish those in some way. So as as a citizen of the United States of America, I do hope that the U.S. bounces back in some way. But I mean, Connor Bedard has set a lot of records for the Canadian World Juniors. He has set Team Canada's marks for most World Juniors goals and points. Um, which is just ridiculous. Um, and I believe that was done in the last game um, in their quarterfinal game versus Slovakia. So, I mean, uh, fellas, thoughts, feelings, opinions, Connor Bedard, U.S., Canada, anything World Juniors, because it's been quite a tournament. I'm going to um, keep it real brief. Oh, go ahead. No, you James. got this. You got this. You got this. I'm going to keep it like real that. brief so James can go ahead. Connor Bedard is awesome. He has the style. He has the flow. The guy is confident on the ice. And more importantly than that, when he comes into the NHL, I am so sick and tired of the new studs coming in with no personality. And I feel like Connor Bedard actually has a personality. Connor McDavid does not have a personality. Laffy, as far as I'm concerned, doesn't really have a whole lot of a personality. Capo Caco is not even a person as far as I'm concerned. And I, I I just want someone who can actually shake up the league. Because when I think of the most electric players, I think of players like Ovi. And I think of players like Steven Stamkos. And I think of players like Drew Doughty. These players are all fading out of the NHL. And we need new sort of, to put it in a word, sassier players in the NHL to make it more interesting to watch. Like you had... Uh, Trevor Zegris, who's now on the cover of NHL. And I'm like, why did the NHL just start all of a sudden promoting Trevor Zegris out of nowhere? Like, they're trying to turn these young stars into characters. And I feel like we need an original character like Connor Bedard in the NHL. I I feel like maybe you want to say that you want more villains in the NHL, maybe. Just people who would stir the pot. Which, hey, I, I'm, all, I'm all for that. And... As far as Connor Bedard goes, yeah, in that game against uh, Slovakia, he passed. Uh, it was Eric Lindros sitting for that record, uh, twenty-one points or something, and he did it in just like seven or eight fewer games. And he's on pace now. If if this result stands, and he could break Peter Forsberg's record of uh, most points in entire World Junior Classic history with thirty-one, I think he'd have he'd have to do something ridiculous in the third period of this game and have like a six point game in the final or something, but he would do it in so many less games that I think he's got the best point per game in world junior classic history. This guy's unreal. He's is the next, uh, bona fide NHL star. I mean, you think back to the last few names, I think you, you make a good point, uh, Nick about, you know, maybe 
activating a little more swagger back into the league. I think I think Zegers is a guy who has that. You know, just like the alley oop goal alone was 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 cool enough to get him on the cover. Um, I think I think uh, who else is in that category? Because I think I, you're right to say that like Ovechkin's got a personality. He was a great ambassador for the game, a great face for the league. Um, and I think Connor Bedard is a guy who can do that. You know, Austin Matthews is like on the cusp of being that guy. I mean, like he doesn't have enough. Like he he hangs out with Bieber sometimes. Like that's something. Like like you know? what do we know about Austin Matthews besides the fact that he had that weird little mustache? Like that's that's something. It's like, something. Like what does he do besides score a lot of goals for the Toronto Maple Leafs of Canada? A good question. It's a really good question. But he scores enough goals where they don't bother to ask him. Yeah, they don't care. They don't care about the mustache or the personality. They're fine because of the, the amount, of, amount of goals he scores. So true that, James. True that. And I, I will say that the U.S. Um, to have been up 2-1 after the first period against this, this strong Canada team, to have blown it early in the second period, I think they gave up three goals just in the first 10-12 minutes of that period. Uh, that's That's a tough turnaround. But um, the good news is that it means Luke Hughes can come to New Jersey faster, maybe. So that would be cool. Seaman Namitz might are already be on his way. Uh, Slovakia got eliminated just barely. And that Slovakia team, uh, that goaltender whose name I'm forgetting right now, he was unreal in that Ridiculous. game against Canada. That 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 was a really inspiring run. And I think Slovakia is going to be um, among some of the is going to definitely I wouldn't say they're they're going to become the next Sweden and Finland or even the Czech Republic but they're certainly going to be uh on the up in terms of producing great hockey players cuz they've been doing it for a while now and you look they had three first round picks uh just last year. Yeah, I I forgive me for my botched pronunciation on um this goalie's name Adam Gajan 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 Something like that. G A J A. Wouldn't know how to pronounce it either. <laughs> yeah, I apologize for my my pronunciation. As we've as we've stated multiple times on this podcast, pronouncing the names of hockey players is sometimes very very hard. So sometimes you got to grant people some grace, especially if it's a name that you know I haven't really heard spoken out loud that much yet. I say yet because I think that that goalie has a very bright future ahead of him, as do many of the players in this tournament. We've already talked about you know Connor Bedard, twenty one points in five games which is horrific. Um, that is just a terribly, it, like, not, I say horrific, like, it's like, that is just a banana stat. But then right behind him, you know, you've got Logan Cooley, who has, I mean, obviously 10 less points. He's only got 11 points, but he's got 11 points in five games. He's got five goals, six assists. He's an American, which is really exciting. You look at some of the other prospects that we talked about. Logan Goat Cooley, as uh, as Nick Palmer has just dropped in the chat. That's really funny. I like Logan Cooley. Something that is interesting to me, though, is Shane Wright, who is an active player in the NHL and was obviously released from his contract with not released, but was obviously given a leave with his contract from the Kraken so that he was able to go play um, as a part of World Canada, as part of Team Canada in the World Juniors. He's only got, you know, six points in five games. He's got three goals and three assists, which obviously isn't bad by any means. Six points in five games is is great by NHL standards, but it is, it is very fascinating to me to watch someone who was, you know, the fourth overall projected first overall, but dropped to fourth overall NHL draft pick from last year, now getting absolutely knocked in points by someone who is younger than him and someone who hasn't even been drafted yet. 
but still very exciting. I think that, like you said, James, maybe this will mean that we see Simon Nimich come to the Devils sometime sooner this semester. We'll see Luke Hughes maybe come sometime sooner this semester um, as we're all monitoring the game. I'm really excited for both of them to get some full-on playing time and to see them both in Devils sweaters because they are both very, very talented. Let us move to our to our one of our last topics of discussion here on today's episode of Five on Three. The Detroit Red Wings have waived Jacob Vrana in order to, quote, get his game in order, which that was not something that I think I expected. We've had a lot of surprises so far this season in the world of hockey. Seeing Jacob Vrana waived was definitely not something that I expected to see, but apparently management and coaching staff was all really in it together. And they said, you know, they they want it to be kind of private and personal to him, and they don't want to say too much about the details of the situation and why they decided to do it. But I mean, they said that they need him to kind of get back up to a level that he can be in. As we know, he was just reinstated by the NHL and the Players Association on December 16th after spending two months in the Players Assistance Program, obviously for unspecified reasons, but in the Players Assistance Program, which that can range from anything from mental health to substance abuse to anything in between. So obviously no reason to speculate there, but he was gone for a period of time. He then practiced with the Wings for a week before the Christmas break, where he was then assigned to the Grand Rapids Griffins. Grand Rapids Griffins, that's hard to say, for what was originally supposed to be a three-game conditioning stint. But then he was there for two weeks after he had zero points and a minus five rating in those three games that was in that week. So, I mean, he's been such a, such a notable player in the past, and now to see him waived at this point in the season was definitely not on my radar. I mean... Nick, I'll go to you first. What do you what do you think of this and how does this bode for him now? I mean, I don't think he's been picked up yet by so I think there's still some time there for him to live in the system for the Red Wings, but I mean, a bit of a shock nevertheless. Yeah, there there was some strange things going on in general. Like obviously you said he was in the player assistance program uh before all this. I think he just cleared waivers today. Um, but you know, he he sort of pulled that stunt on Instagram where he deleted all of his Red Wings affiliated posts and you know that that's not something that you do if you think you're gonna play for the red wings ever again so you know clearly there's there's some serious stuff going on between him and management and the coaching staff um and you know obviously the fact that he didn't play well um in the minor league affiliate didn't really bode very well either so i mean we'll see what's going on for him obviously uh best of luck to him and you know i hope nothing nothing unfortunate happened with him and that he's doing okay uh because yeah like you said he's a talented player and i think anytime run is on the ice you know it's it's a good thing so i'm curious if you have anything to add on that james i i just think that the a lot of people were saying that the fact that he cleared waivers just or just you know not too long ago today that that was an indication that there's something deeper going on here that that you're not hearing about i mean obviously those things you, the organizations and players and coaches try to keep that under wraps try to keep those things in house um if something happens it'll come out eventually but i would also suggest that you know not a lot of teams knew that verona was going to be you know just available quickly that's a quick decision and that's an expensive enough contract i don't know exactly not a lot of teams can even afford to bring him in mid- mid-season like that even teams that could really uh, just gamble on uh, having 
a high upside forward like that, but uh, you know, it, you never really know. And that's, that's why uh, it's best for now that you just wait and wait and see, and you hope for the best for all parties involved. And I, I think I was not expecting him necessarily to clear waivers, but I think it's got to be more associated with the contract than any any other detail that has been left out, because I can't imagine it's anything crazier than 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 what we've heard. I mean, these sort of situations have happened before with high profile players. I mean, just two seasons ago, Adam Henrique uh, was put on waivers. I mean, Evander Kane was another one who was traveling the other direction, had a lot of stuff off the ice going on. So. You know, maybe we'll wait and see. I don't want to suggest that these are even remotely similar because they're not, but that's just how it goes. You don't know until you know. You absolutely don't know until you know. And I mean, there's obviously so much that is not being revealed to us for a number of reasons as mere fans and watchers of um, this game. So I don't know. I think that it'll be really interesting to see how the rest of this all plays out. Um, I mean, you have to think that maybe there is, like you guys both said, something deeper going on than just, you know, he's not playing as well as they'd wanted to. Because you would think that even if this was a surprise waving, that someone would pick him up. I mean, Dryden Hunt was waved and Dryden Hunt was picked up by Colorado pretty soon after. And I mean, of course, now he's no longer there, but he was picked up by Colorado before he could enter the Rangers system in that way. So with a player as significant as Jacob Rana, you'd think that you know, maybe someone would. So that kind of makes me think maybe there is something deeper happening that, you know, coaches and GMs are privy to that we as beat reporters and as fans are not. And with that, let us move to our final topic of conversation. I just want to quickly touch on this as this has already been such a fun and in-depth episode here. The Winter Classic recap, the Bruins won, defeating the Pittsburgh Penguins 2-2-1. And of course, the Bruins have been such an absolute monster of a team this year, much to, I think, a lot of the Metropolitan Conference's dismay, but uh, and a lot of Rangers fans' dismay specifically. But I mean, this team has just been absolutely ridiculous this year and continues to be ridiculous this year, as like I said, they won 2-1, Jake DeBrusque scoring two goals in the third period, and the Penguins end up losing this one. A lot of different storylines in this game, but I mean, I know... Either of you, if you were watching the game, I didn't get a chance to watch, sadly, but um, it looked really great in all the recaps I was watching. And then the uh, Winter Classic for next year was also announced, where I believe it is the Seattle Kraken versus, oh, help me out here. Who is it? It's Seattle Kraken versus the, oh, the Vegas Golden Knights. Yes. Thank you. That's who it is. Thank you, James, Uh, which will be really fun. There was a wicked graphic that came out by the Seattle Socials team. It was one of the coolest photo edits I think I've ever seen. It was like Kraken tentacles coming out of the ice and like grabbing Knights players. Oh, it was so cool. It was really awesome. I'll send it to you after this. Lou Orlando sent it to me. I'll send it to you. But anyways, Winter Winter Classic 2023 has come and gone. Bruins come out on top. James, any thoughts on this game or Winter Classic as a whole? Um, I mean, as far as a hockey game goes, it's... You, you when you when the game's actually on, you kind of forget when you're just watching on TV that it's in the stadium until they peel back and you realize, oh, man, there's 50,000 people here. Uh, but the presentations before the game were really cool. I thought the, uh, the the first puck pitch or whatever they called it was like really lame. But then they brought out Bobby Orr and Jason Veritek. And I'm like, these guys rule like it was incredibly cringe that they did it. But like the fact that they associated the Red Sox with it, I thought that was a clever idea enough to spice things up. Um, I really love the Black Keys, but their performance uh, was 
not amazing because they I feel like the stadium couldn't even hear them outside of the five people that they stationed right in front of them. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, like Sam, you just said, all the Bruins players in the Red Sox outfits showing up at the game. I like that they tied baseball into it because I feel like that's something that when they've played in the baseball stadiums, they haven't really done. But uh, I mean, like, it's still, it's still like, they still looked like the cringy things that they always do every year, even at the All-Star game when they do that stuff. But it's a cringy in every sport. So you got to take it with a grain of salt and appreciate it for what it is. And it's the fact that you've got sports legends from spanning several decades, uh, just standing next to each other and shooting hockey pucks at the former three-time All-Star catcher for the Red Sox. Yeah, I um you 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 pointed out a lot of the things that I I took note of while watching this game. But okay, look, on paper, the Winter Classic was a success. That that's the first thing that I'll say. It was not so much of a success for my fantasy goaltender Tristan Jari who exited in the first period. Uh but as far as viewership goes, it averaged 1.8 million on TNT, which was a 31% increase to last year. Which, in effect, makes it the most watched regular season hockey game of all time. Also, I um, I think the 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 old time baseball uniforms those were sick, as well as the coaches wearing those like Peaky Blinders hats. I, I thought those were pretty epic. Um, but with that said, I have gripes. So so first, that stupid freaking first puck pitch thing with Bobby Orr and Jason Veritek was moronic and disrespectful, both the sports of hockey and baseball. And second, I I, I did not see Linus Olmark, Tristan Jari, or Casey DeSmith wearing a beanie. That should not happen in an outdoor game. They should all be wearing beanies. And third, I do not want to see ever again that bet MGM commercial featuring Connor McDavid and Wayne Gretzky. I don't want to see it ever again. They both have the personality of a damp paper towel. They are not entertaining people to watch on TV. The green monster skit before the game, I thought was dumb where it was like narrating and it had this really thick Boston accent and it kept saying like wicked every like sentence. That was bad. Uh, the black keys were not great. And finally, and I talked about this with the misses just before this shout out, Fenway sucks. It was renovated last in 2000 BC. There are concrete pillars right in front of the seats. It's tiny. And to top it all off, the Red Sox play there. So in conclusion, Jake DeBrusque is talented. And, uh, and unfortunately, Jake DeBrusque, I think, also got injured, right? And now he's, is he out for like a few weeks? Did that happen? Did I, did I read that, or am I making that up? I don't know. I'm not sure on that. I don't know if that's true or not, but that would that would suck. I'm pretty I'm pretty sure I read that, but uh, I could be wrong. Someone fact check me. My phone died. I Nick, that one's on you. Um, Nick, you got this. Then you got it. Um, well, I like have no words in response to that like winter classic rant that was just said to me. I found it very entertaining. And had, I wish I had tuned in now to be able to have seen all of the things that you have just railed against because boy, oh boy, was that fun. Nick says that Jake DeBrusque left in a walking boot, which ooh really does not bode well. But I mean, if he broke a toe or something, tape that puppy up and get on the ice. That's what I got to say. Hey, look, I've been there. I've broken toes multiple times over, been there, done that. 
you wear the boot and sometimes when it's go time, tape that sucker up, tape it to the next toe and rock on. You got to do what you got to do. You're making a lot of money. Don't let that stop you. So obviously, like you said, Tristan Jari injured um, in the first period there, which is not good. However, they only have, I think, four games in the month of January or something like that. So he is not necessarily going to be missed too horrifically there. Um, he is not on the trip to California. That is in uh, relation to Jake DeBrusque, as uh, Nick Palmer just dropped in the chat. So maybe it's a little more serious than a broken toe, but I don't know. I'm no expert. I'm no medical expert. Hopefully he is fine. Obviously, we never wish injury on anybody, no matter what. Hopefully both he and Tristan Jari are both okay and will be back to playing soon for their team. And with that, we have come to the end of another fantastic, fun, and funky episode of Five on Three WFUV's podcast for all things NHL and hockey. This has been such a joy as always. And once again, I am Samantha Borer here with Nick Palmer and James Burley, wishing everybody a very happy rest of your week, a very happy 2023, a happy new year. I hope everyone had fun and was safe, happy, and is going into this new year with amazing vibes. And we are here to watch more hockey for the rest of this season as there is still plenty left in store. With that, Five on Three is a production of WFU.